Okay, so yesterday we began the discussion about, it's really nice to see everyone's faces, if you're able to, that'll be great. Um, yesterday we began a discussion about the, um, the mitzvah of vidui. Mitzvah vidui is to confess to Hashem the things you've done. And Yaakov Gedalia ben Yosef Dov. Thank you very much. So, when memory of Yaakov Gedalia ben Yosef Dov, we got the better for his family, for all good. So, so it's learning about the meaning of, of uh, Vidui. The source of Vidui is in the Torah, it says about the Kayan Gadol, his father, Allah is Khonisam. The Torah lists three kinds of sin in regarding the Kohen Godel's uh, confession on behalf of the Jewish people. And in that list of the Kohen Godel, he first lists the Averis done on purpose, of Avenis. Then he lists Bishayim, which are Averis done specifically to, to spite Hashem, to rebel against Hashem. And finally, he mentions chateisam averes that are done by accident. So, according to Rabbi Meir, that order is very specific, and that's the order you're supposed to confess before Hashem. First, tell Hashem about your avenis, then your pshayim, then your chatayim. You should say avisi pashati chatasi. The chacham disagree. The chacham say it doesn't make sense to go in that order. The usual order in Torah is leizu apsu, which means not only a but also b. So therefore, you should start by the easiest thing to ask for forgiveness for first. Ask for forgiveness for chatayim, then for avinus and for pshayim. First ask for forgiveness for sins of a dummy accident, then add a various done on purpose, and then add a various that are done to spite Hashem. That's the way we should request Hashem to forgive us, and that's the halacha. That's the way we do order our request. However, the Rambam and the Alter Rebbe and the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch all agree that it's the main vidui, the main confession, is not to specify the all the different kinds of sin. It's just to say, Chatasi, I have sinned, which primarily refers to sin to my accident. So where we're going is, is that there's two kinds of confession. And the two kinds of confessional, as we shall see, correspond to two kinds of teshuvah. There is the shuva zero, if you will. There's the base shuva, that just this, nothing else. Just the raw essence of shuva. Then there is the perfection of shuva. And the expression of shuva is in the confession. So because teshuvah itself has two parts, there's an essence of it and there's a perfection of it. So too, in our expression of our tshuva to Hashem, when we, when we say to Hashem, we've sinned, we also have two ways of saying it. We have the essence of confession, which is chatasi. We have the perfection of, of confession, which is chatasi visi pashay. So what exactly does that mean? What are these two kinds of tshuva and how are they, how are they mirrored in these two expressions? So what does the word chatasi have to do with the essence of the tshuva? And what are the words chatasi visi have to do with the specifics? So this is all relevant to the Gersa Shuva that we're going to be learning. The Al Rebbe begins Gersa Shuva with quoting a teaching of a Brisa which talks about three kinds of kapara. 
are there three kinds of kapara is not a simple thing. There is a discussion in the Gemara, and there are very cryptic words that the Gemara uses in this argument, in this, in this discussion. The Gemara says, Ramasib and Cheresh asked the Blazim and Azariah, I heard Rabbi Yishmoel said that there are four kinds of kapara, four kinds of atonement, but four kinds of mistakes. And Blazim and Azariah says there are three. And Teshuvah accompanies each. So he asks about four. He answers about three. He mentions Teshuvah comes with each. What exactly is going on? Does he disagree? Does he hold the iron for there are only three? But then he adds, Shuvah comes with each. It sounds like he's just qualifying the meaning of four. So we actually have two commentaries addressing this question. What exactly is Rebelezim and Azariah saying? And both commentaries uh, leave us with a question wanting for more. First, we have explanation of the Marasha. I just want to point out, uh, although we're going to be a little bit critical of the Marasha, the Rebbe Rashab says, this is printed in the Kutis of Purim of Rabbi Perlov from Australia. The Rebbe Rashab said that if we would know the holiness of the Marasha, we would lick his grave. We lick the dust off of his grave. Anyways, the Marasha, he says that, and also, by the way, we're not going to only be critical about the Marasha, we're going to go back and explain the Marasha as well. So uh, here, here's what the Marasha says. Marasha says like this, there are really four kinds of kapara. There's, there is a, atonement for a positive mitzvah. That's atonement for the positive mitzvah is just with tshuva. There's an atonement for the negative mitzvah, which you learned is tshuva and yom kippur. And there's an atonement for uh, violating one of the capital punishments of Christus Mrs. Bezin, one of the punishments that are punishable by death. And that is accomplished, that, that kapara, that atonement is accomplished both by teshuva, Yom Kippur, and chasashon by pain. And then there's a fourth kind of kapara, which is mentioned at the very end of Mesech Yuma, which is the atonement for desecrating Hashem's name. It's interesting that desecrating Hashem's name is considered to be worse in a way than Christus Mrs. Vezin. You could atone for the capital punishments of Hashem in this world, although officially the, the punishment for is death, and the Gemara says that there are various ways that although the Jewish court isn't powerful enough to administer capital punishment today, but the heavenly court is powerful enough, and the heavenly court could administer capital punishment today as well. But famous teaching of the Shagasarya, the Shagasarya, which was quoted a lot by the Rebbe, a very interesting, long, long um, teshuva, long halachic responsa. The Shagas Arya says something amazing. It says, in the, it says in the Torah, a judge could only judge by what his eyes see. And that's why the time when the temple stood and the time when we had a court, although someone may have very sincerely repented their ways and will never do them again, and teshuva has the ability to correct the past as well, and therefore, they should be absolved by the Jewish court. The Jewish court should say, you know, we see that you've done true, we see you, you regretted what you've done, and therefore, you're free to go. The Jewish court doesn't do that. Not because, says the Shagasarya, that the tshuva isn't, doesn't actually achieve atonement. It may. It may be the guy is sincere, and it may be that he has actually achieved atonement through a sincere repentance. So the reason why the Jewish court doesn't give him 
a, uh, one of Monopoly's uh, cards, get out of free, uh, get out of jail free card. Why doesn't he get that? Says the Shagasariya, because the court can't do that, because the court doesn't know what's in his heart. If the court had some kind of sophisticated Hasidic uh, glasses that would allow them to penetrate into the guy's heart and to see if he, how sincere he is, and once he reaches 100, they will let him out. But the court cannot see. A judge can only go by what he sees, and therefore the court is forced to administer capital punishment. Said the Shagasariya, that's only we're talking about when the, the punishment is administered by a human court. However, after the Jewish court has ceased to work in the temple, and now things only work by the heavenly court, so the fact that we don't have a court is something that allows for more dispensation than previously possible. Now the heavenly court can look at you and say, yeah, you've done A, B, and C. Yes, the punishment for this is A, B, and C. But we see you've done tshuva. And therefore, we're, we're going to let you off. I just want to point out that the Alter Rebbe will discuss in chapter 6 in Gersh Tshuva that in general, we don't find that the capital punishments that are given for various sins, for example, uh, eating chametz, the punishment that is curious in death at ages 60 or 50, that those kinds of punishments, the Alter Rebbe says, we don't find them happening to people nowadays. And although you could argue, well, maybe the person did true, but altruism doesn't, doesn't answer that way. Altruism is a more broader answer. And he says that in general, uh, it's possible to live nowadays with, even though the neshama may be cut off because of the various mechanisms, as we shall see, in the way the Shekhinah went into exile. So it's possible for a person to still survive without his neshama um, being attached to Hashem. It's, it's possible for a person to, to still live. And therefore, by the way, it's, also, it's still possible to do teshuva. Karis means your neshama was cut off. Where is it cut off from? Your neshama was cut off from Hashem's breath into your body. Hashem blew the neshama into Adam's nostrils. And so to Hashem blows the neshama into each of us. I think that's why originally the people, when people pass away, how do people pass away? They used to pass away just by sneezing. That's why uh, we say it's a gazund when someone sneeze, sneezes. And then Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov uh, pray to Hashem that people should get sick and ill before they die, in order that they should be more aware of, of, of being able to, to, uh, to go to the next world. They should be able to set things up before they die. They should have some kinds of signs. So that's why a person, uh, that's why people get older, get, get weaker because of that reason. But anyway, so, but still, because a person who has, who has uh, gotten uh, punished by kares can still live, it's possible for them to do teshuva still. Because although the neshama has been cut off, what's been cut off? The, the breath of Hashem doesn't reach his body. But there's still the essence of the soul that's higher than God's breath. God's breath is what connects the soul in your body with the essence of your soul. That, that's what transmits it into your body. Cutting it off means that your, your soul and your body, your body does not get from the neshama. Something's been cut off. But it's possible to reach higher than the breath of Hashem to the very source of your neshama, to teshuva. And therefore, it's possible to uh, actually uh, rejuvenate from even those sins of capital punishment. Okay, then there's a fourth kind of sin 
which the atonement for this sin is death. The atonement, not just this was the punishment that was given in the time of the temple, but this is a standard way the sin, the sin can be atoned. And it's, it's frightening to think what this is. This, the fourth kind of sin is Chil Hashem, desecrating God's name, uh, is something that which is the, uh, the atonement for it is death. Thinking you're going to take a right turn on that red and uh, someone's already crossing the street on that crosswalk and you're just going to zoop, zoop right in front of them and uh, yeah, you'll gain another second. But Chas Hashem, you make a des- you desecrate God's name, so that's not good. So, so the Alter Rebbe doesn't mention this, doesn't mention the fourth kind of atonement of Chil Hashem. Why not? So, what's the what's again with the discussion between the Masiv and Cheresh and Avazim and Azari? Are there three other four? So the the Marsha says that the Alter Rebbe, not Alter Rebbe, that Avazim and Azariah, who is the source of our uh, Bryce over here, Avazim and Azariah is of the opinion that teshuva shouldn't be counted. Why shouldn't teshuva be counted? Because teshuva isn't a distinct kind of atonement. If you transgress him, it's a sase, you, if you don't put on tefillin, so then you are forgiven just with teshuva. But every other kind of atonement needs to be accompanied by teshuva. And since every kind of atonement needs to be accompanied by teshuva, don't list teshuva as one of the kinds of atonement because teshuva is generic. It's, it's, you need this with everything. So it's not, that's why it's not counted as one kind of kapara. Well, that, that's what Elizabeth Mazari is saying. Don't count teshuva because teshuva is, is standard. That, that, that has to accompany everything else. So if that's what Elizabeth Mazari meant, does he agree with him, Aspen Kharish? Are they, are they disagreeing? Are they, just, are, are they just talking about numbers? There's a refrain, a question that the Talmud often asks, why do we need to be told a number? Whenever the, there is a number mentioned in the Mishnah, there's a reason for it. The reason is usually to negate something. So if teshuva should have been counted, and it's not because it's just a generic thing, so then what's the argument about counting it or not? Call it three, call it four, call it 16. It, it, you're meaning the same thing. It's just semantics. It's, it's two ways of saying the same thing. What's a disagreement and what are they arguing about? That's one question. Now, there's another interpretation of the three and four argument between Ablazim and Zayim and Masim There is the explanation of the Akedah. The Akedah says the argument between them is not whether we should include Teshuva, it's whether or not we should include the fourth kind of Kapara. Should we include Chil Hashem? Chil Hashem, which is Kapara, it's atonement, it's through death, should that be included as a kind of Kapara? Ablazim and Zayim says, the Torah was given to people, souls, and bodies. And therefore, I'm not going to count that one. That has to do with an atonement for the soul after passing. Masmer Cheresh says, no, that there are four. There are four kinds of atonement. And one of them is, one kind of atonement is affected by, is accomplished by death. What's the argument? What, why are they arguing? There are four kinds of atonement, and one of them is done by death. What is, what is the discussion? What, what do they not agree about? Why does Elazar Azari insist not to count it? What is, he, what is he changing by not counting? What does he mean? Everyone follow so far? Omar Chai is following, but he's, uh, Baruch Hashem, he's also following La Brea, uh, Boulevard. And- uh, it's honestly a lot to take in from what you've said so far. And, and I just got off my bike, Rabbi, so he shouldn't feel bad. 
Okay, so I'm fine. So Zev, I'll, I'll, I'll I don't, I don't, I don't feel it. bad. Don't worry. I'll give a quick recap. Just kidding, Mordecai. Reb Zev, you, you know about the four kinds of kapara so far? You got that part? Yeah. There's a kapara for a positive mitzvah, for a negative mitzvah, for a, one of the sins of kares or misa, and there's a kapara for desecrating God's name. Yeah? Yeah. So the question is, Rabbi Lezner Azaya says there are three kinds of kapara. The Master asks, aren't there four? And it seems that they both agree that whether there's three or four, they're just arguing about whether which, which one is counted as one of the kinds of kapara. And it doesn't seem that there's much to the argument. It seems like a very, like he said, she said kind of argument. Like counted as three, counted as four, they mean the same thing. The Marsha says, it says, don't include the, the atonement for a positive mitzvah because that's not a, anything unique. Just need to do tshuva. So that's all you always need to do tshuva. Don't count, don't count that. Why not? Count it, don't count it. What's the difference if you count it, don't count it? Why are they arguing about it? There must be some meaning to the argument. That's the Rebbe's question on the Marsha. The Akeda, he says, don't count desecrating God's name. Desecrating God's name is something that's done in time, at death. And therefore, it's not done while you're alive. So why are you counting that as one of the ways of Kapara? That, that shouldn't be associated with Kapara. Kapara is something that's done while you're alive. What, what, what are they arguing about? What, what's, what's the argument? So he, he should, so the Alter Rebbe clearly, by the word the Alter Rebbe, by Alter Rebbe, saying there are three kinds of kapara, then the Alter Rebbe adding the words, ad kan lashna b'raisa, until here is the language of the b'raisa. In other words, this is the entirety of the subject. By the Alter Rebbe saying this is the entirety of the subject, he clearly sides with the opinion of the Akedah. Because he says there are three, he lists three, and then he says, and up to here is the subject. This is the whole, this is the whole point. If he agreed with Marsha that there are three kinds of kapara and he's not including um, the positive mitzvahs and he's including instead, uh, he, he is, he, if, if the Altareva would uh, be siding with the opinion of the Marsha and say that we don't include positive mitzvahs and there aren't three kinds of kapara. It's making a statement that there are three kinds and not, and not including Chil Hashem and you're not including Mitzvah Sase either, you only have two. So if the author says there are three and he says, here's, this is the subject, he's clearly siding with the opinion which says that we do count the positive mitzvahs. We don't worry about the fact that, that teshuva is a generic way of achieving atonement. We still count it anyways. And the only thing that we're excluding, says the Alter Rebbe, is Chil Hashem. So what does Alter Rebbe mean by this? What, why is he excluding Chil Hashem? What, what are you trying to say? So there are um, various opinions about parts of tshuva. There's a book called, called Shari Tshuva by Rabbeinu Yena. And, um, and he mentions many different things that are part of teshuva. Asking for a, a confession and regret and asking for atonement, the Alter Rebbe doesn't mention any of that stuff. The Alter Rebbe doesn't even mention regretting the past. I mean, the truth is to resolve for the future, there is incorporated within the resolve for the future, there is a concept of regretting the past. You, you can't really make a resolve for the future if you haven't regretted the past. But the Alter Rebbe doesn't mention regretting the past. The Alter Rebbe doesn't mention <clears throat> asking for forgiveness either. According to the Alter Rebbe, 
the biblical commandment, of course, there are other things we need to do to perfect the truth, to perfect where we want to go with truth. But the mitzvah of truva, the bare minimum of truva, what truva is about, the essence of what truva is, is to decide from that one and to actually be different for the future. Truva is about acting different in the future. Rabbi, can I ask you a question? Yeah. <clears throat> the, if, you, if someone holds four issues and one of them is Hashem, does it matter if the Hashem is done accidentally or does it have to be done on purpose? Because in Pirkei Avos it says whether it's uh, accidental or on purpose, it's all the same in terms of desecrating the name. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, um, I know you're talking about talking about Pirkei Avos. Uh, I'm familiar with that, that st- sentence. I don't know how that ties in over here. If you, if you remind me after this year, I would like to, to uh, find that out. I don't know. Um, so the point of teshuva is about the future. It's about affecting us for the future. That's what teshuva is about. That's the midst of teshuva. The goal of teshuva is what teshuva is. Teshuva is, is to move you away from being someone who cast aside the, the yoke of Hashem and to put you into closer with Hashem, that Hashem is now your king. You accept upon, your, accept upon yourself Hashem as your king. You're never going to go against his words. Now, the Alter Rebbe does broaden the mitzvah tshuva a bit, and he minimizes it in another way. He, he says tshuva isn't about a specific thing, sin. It's not about saying, I won't speak Lashon Hara anymore. So he broadens that and says it's about making Hashem your king. Tshuva is about coming close to Hashem, not about a specific sin. On the other hand, the Alter Rebbe also shortens, he, narrow, he makes mitzvah tshuva more narrow in that he doesn't include in the mitzvah tshuva the confession and asking for forgiveness. So he broadens the, the essence of it, but he doesn't add the, the details of, of requests request for atonement and stuff. There is an amazing... Why? Because the essence of tshuva is only about the future. That's what tshuva means. There is perfection no, I, of tshuva. I'm still confused why... Like, is, is the altar making this easier for us? I mean, for thousands of years, tshuva was a certain way. The Rambam you know, sort of codifies it in a very rigid, like very like... These are like, you know, step, you know, step one through whatever, four or five. And like now he's coming and he's saying, like, I don't know. So this isn't, didn't come to make things easier or harder for us. So this came to give us, come make, come bring us closer to the Yemis, closer to the truth. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say it didn't come to make things easier because Alkabur says in the intro to Tanya, I'm coming to explain to you why Torah is very near to you, why you could do it. So, so ter- says they come to make it accessible to us. So in, in a way, what the author is saying is very palatable. He's saying, I'm, I, I want you to do this. And I want you to know what it, this means. I want you to, this is about being closer to Hashem. He, he, he strips off all the layers of it. He says, what are you really doing in Teshuvah? You're not, it's not about fixing up the past. May, Hashem, as you do Teshuvah, Hashem will, will atone for your past as well. And you'll fix up all the negative things that, 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 and you'll be precious to Hashem like before you sinned as well. Kapara means not just that Hashem forgives you, but Kapara, the goal, the perfection of Shuvah is that you're a Merutza, Vachav, Mfonis, Barkid, Machet. That you're beloved by Hashem like before you sin. That's the perfection of Shuvah. But the actual Shuvah, what Shuvah is, is about me, oh, how I'm going to live. 
Uh, we don't have that much time. Uh, I want to share with you one more thing. Um, in the uh, in the Haftorah on Yom Kippur, after Yena, um, the Torah describes the people of Nineveh. Um, they did teshuva and they uh, were forgiven by Hashem. And the point of reading this in Yom Kippur, of course, is to inspire us to do teshuva. But the teshuva that they did seems to be very minimal, very, very, very easy, very little, because what they did, they weren't Jewish, and a non-Jew in his teshuva, a non-Jew is also capable of doing teshuva. His teshuva is about deciding for the future and is unable to rectify the past. The idea of a teshuva uprooting the sin and transforming it into a mitzvah is something that's unique to a Jewish teshuva. Shuv out of love causes all of our sins to turn into mitzvahs. So if you Tzom Kippur, it's a day of Teshuva. It's a day when there's a tremendous romance between us and Hashem. We're wearing everything in white and we're, 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 we're having eaten or drunk all day. You would think on this special holy day, we would, we would aim a little higher. But instead we don't. We speak about specifically people of Ninveh and their, and their Teshuva. And the reason for this is, is that a Jew wants things to be good in the coming year. A Jew is concerned that he should have light and joy, gladness and honor. He wants things to be gishmak. So Hashem tells a Jew, whether you're up to the level of teshuva of a Jew with love, or you're only ready to just make a decision for the future, you're not ready to do teshuva out of love. Hashem says, I want you to know that it's sufficient for you to have the bracha for the coming year just with a goyish teshuva. Just with the truth that a goy is capable of. Just by deciding from now on to accept and do what Hashem wants you to do, that's sufficient for the bracha of the coming year. You don't have to do any stylistic, uh, cool Jewish stuff in your tshuva to, to be able to have a good year. It's sufficient to do tshuva out of, just accept from now on, do what Hashem wants you to do. That's sufficient to get the bracha. Mr. Hashem, I think tomorrow, so in short, what we did today is we discussed the various interpretations of the Brisa, the, the, the Akeda, and the Marsha, and the questions we have with both of them. Shim will get to the conclusion of this tomorrow. Have a great maybe day, maybe you can uh, have, a, have a worksheet for us tomorrow. Uh, so a lot we of can make sure you're saying. Figure out how to like apply. Why? Yeah, I don't know. The, the Yitzhahara seems to like the Altareb's definition better. <laughs> than uh, the Rambam. The Rambam is just so rigid. It's like all these different levels and saying the sin out loud, it's like supposed to shame, you're supposed to feel shame and, and then you, you, know, you, you resolve to not, you know, to not do it again. I mean, whatever. Anyway. Now, Teb doesn't, doesn't disagree about, about confession. I know he doesn't. He just it's says, just the what focus. Shuva, what the, what's the meaning of the mitzvah of tshuva? Okay. What's Don't worry about the cliff notes. We'll, we'll catch up. Well, what's your question, Dr. Rasman? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said, don't worry about the cliff notes. We'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here she comes. Go ahead.